Welcome to our Global Scot podcast series, Past, Present and Future Proofing. In this series, we will hear Global Scots draw on personal learnings from their full and varied careers and learn firsthand how their industry has changed over the years. Global Scots celebrates its 20th anniversary in 2021. Like all of those who are invited to join the network, those we will hear from in this series are recognised experts in their field. So please sit back and enjoy this episode. My name is Paul Pierotti. I'm a partner in EY's data analytics and emerging technology practice. And I bring 25 years of experience of working with clients to improve their outcomes through the use of their data. I went to school in Paisley. I was good at mathematics and was directed to do a degree and then master's in maths and industrial mathematics at Strathclyde University. To be honest, at that point, it was more of a decision of doing something I enjoy and didn't realise the opportunities that were related to analytics. That was until actually my master's, I started to do hands-on projects in Strathclyde Uni. So the industrial mathematics was all about using the data to actually solve business and industrial problems. And it kind of just, there was a light that went on in my head and realised this is what I wanted to do. I enjoy consulting because I'm a magpie and enjoy working across different project areas and clients. I was fortunate to spend a year out in ENZ Bank to help them use their customer behavioural data to improve the actual credit decisions they were making. And um, in Australia, they were far less impacted by the subsequent crash that happened because they were using that data in the banks to better catch and help customers more early. Um, I've also done a lot of work in healthcare and I really enjoy working with frontline professionals and health management to help them think about how they can transform health services. You know, I love the viewpoint that um, our health system has failed if somebody ends up in hospital. And how do we build data-led services to try and help all of us keep us healthy and have as much of our health needs treated in community as possible? Of course, subsequent to that, we've all lived with COVID over the last 18 months. And I think what's doubly interesting for me is I've also done a lot of work in life sciences and you can see that blending of life sciences and healthcare data. But that need for all of the great manufacturing and supply chain data that comes off of the manufacturing of vaccines, the ability to then transport that to the patients and to give those vaccines and other treatments to the patient through a pathway. And actually the specific conditions of a patient like their age, like their underlying comorbidities, and to be able to triangulate that to actually improve our entire healthcare system and entire healthcare outcome. What's really exciting to me just now is as you see that health and life sciences have came together in a way like never before for COVID, that's now the new normal in that industry. And it provides a great direction for a bunch of other industries around how they start to use data to drive better decision making. I think it's important to also just reflect over the last number of years and where we are just now. If you look at the market cap and the largest companies in the world, seven of the top 10 are now data companies. They are using digital services to provide data-led services to their customers, your Googles, your Facebooks, your whoever's. And that's been a massive shift. And I think there's three key trends that have came together to enable this new world that we're in just now. So one, there's been an explosion of data, or more specifically of data capture. Around 80 to 90% of all data that can be captured has been created in the last two years. 
So that includes voice. It includes video. It includes machine to machine as there's so many devices around, you know, even our houses as we get used to it, around manufacturing, around customer services. The second point for me then is our ability to process that data. So cloud and edge means that we can look at data processing in a different way than we could ever before. It's now much, much easier for us to take that data and put our algorithms over it in a much, much quicker and closer to real-time way. And then thirdly, the involvement of APIs and digital platforms. So we're able to make customized interventions to either automate what happens to our customers or through our supply chain, or actually to provide the insights in near real time to those professionals that need to make decisions. So more data than ever before, the ability to translate, understand, process that data that we've never seen before, and then the ability to integrate the most important insight to change what happens on a cold Tuesday afternoon internally or to our customers. And I think those three things have came together like no other time in the last number of years. And you can only see this going one way now as those companies that continue to deliver additional growth are the ones that are taking that information and changing how they work internally or how they actually present and give experiences to their customers. I think we all need to take a step back and think about COVID and what's happened. Like it's a once every hundred year event. And actually at the start of it, I was on gardening leave, bizarrely enough. Um, so didn't quite manage to do the traveling that I did at the time, but instead was helping a number of small businesses and helping them realize the realities of what was coming. A number of them had brilliant businesses, but the reality was that they weren't going to be viable in the short term with COVID. Unfortunately, that short term has lasted longer than many of us have thought. And I think it was really helping those entrepreneurs think about, well, what can they do in the interim? You know, what can they mothball? How do they survive? How do they repurpose? Accepting that I know that is the experience of many, many others for no fault of their own. I've been very fortunate. I think one of the things that we've seen during these last 18 months is the step forward on the need and demand for data. And so actually, it's been a very good thing for the demand in our business. Don't get me wrong, I'd far rather we'd never experienced it. Just to bring it to life, I think there's four boardrooms that I've been speaking to over the last month about their data strategy and how they can actually grab data and really transform their operations and their outcomes. So I think that shift has now happened. You know, I think all, all industries, we are now in a position that I think everybody has demanded data from the health system to justify some of the decisions that they're making and to challenge and I think it's been wonderful to see data literacy across everybody improve. Maybe not Twitter always, but we'll maybe step back on that. And you can really see that need and demand for data-led decision-making. And I think in my world, the more that people from a business, from a management side, see the need for data and insights to improve performance and improve their ability to make decisions, that's a good thing for my business. I want to maybe just give you an example of where I realised the power of data and in particular the need for storytelling combined with it. You realise consulting is a very strange job and actually so many wider businesses now need similar influencing skills and roles internal to an organisation. I think as I referenced, I was at a relatively young age, I was running a large project for one of the banks out in Australia um, and trying to convince them to shift over to use behavioural scoring of their customers to try and improve and automate credit risk decisions. So that was taking responsibilities that used to be in a bank, you know, in a bank manager, 
and actually removing them and proving that actually the algorithms made much better decisions than the actual bank manager was the reality. And I think working with one of the, the leaders that I had out there, there was a very simple point and had a very simple statistic that he or, or line that he got from the analysis that we were doing and just a, one aspect of it. And that was at the time, a person whose um, salary doubles over six months is just as likely to default on a loan as somebody whose salary halves. And we actually tested that with bank managers and they went, yeah, it's somebody who's extended their spending too much and they've thought that was going to continue forever. And so it actually makes sense. But I think for me, that was a light bulb moment because the chief executive of that bank, who was cynical about our project, but accepting it to move forward or had some cynicisms to it, maybe it wasn't so cynical, that line, that storytelling of here's an insight we found in your data was a real turning point for him and more believing that actually this data can tell me things that, you know, many of my traditional sort of approaches don't. And I think that's something that I always try and teach my people about is remember as a data person, you also need to be a storyteller. You also need to be able to bring to life the insights that you are finding or otherwise there's no point. I have no interest at all, although I'm a management consultant, I've absolutely no interest in creating beautiful slides. My slides are beautiful, by the way, but regardless, I want to actually change what happens in a business and finding those nuggets that help tell that story to convince and bring along the decision makers on your journey. I think that was the thing for me. Having the best algorithm is essential, but what's the point if you're not going to integrate it and change what happens? And to be able to change what happens, you need the business people, the management to believe in what you're doing. And sometimes that needs a different way to tell the story than traditional data science mathematician type people do. So there are many challenges as analytics becomes more of a profession. We're 20 years behind the IT profession on that sort of professionalization journey and that sort of career development. And, and there are many, many related challenges and many related opportunities. I think, look, you've all probably heard about it, but it's probably worthwhile highlighting one such challenge that I think we're all realizing the importance, which is bias. I'm a mathematician, statistician. Bias in models is a good thing. It helps you differentiate between whether somebody's going to buy this product or whether they're not, whether somebody's going to end up in hospital or whether they're not. But at the same time, it's very, very easy to build accidental bias based on gender, based on ethnicity, based on a number of other areas into our models. And I think that's something that over the last number of years, we've really started to think about. I don't think we've got the answer. I really don't think we've got the answer. And there's more work to be done. I think one of the solutions is going to be a more blended team, bringing a much broader set of skills into actually the installation and implementations of algorithms. But I think what is a good thing is we're certainly far more aware of the power of algorithms and the potential to have accidental, and I hope it's always accidental, bias in those models and the implications that they can do about reinforcing prejudice across the board. And I think that the more that we as analytics professionals and, and the wider community challenge the models to make sure that we aren't reinforcing those biases that are in society is a, is a wonderful thing. And alongside the wider professionalization of my industry, my business, I think absolutely expanding how we help ensure the ethics element that the algorithm is working in a way that we as society want it to work is enforced as nothing but a good thing. 
I'm a global Scot and, and somebody who left Scotland age 22 for his first job and then met an Irish woman and so ended up in the last 18 years in Ireland through not by design. I'm delighted and I was very, very proud to be asked. I think my role is twofold. One, I think delighted to try and in Ireland be positive and help connect, you know, Irish business on a more general level with Scotland. Secondly, though, and probably much more importantly, it's about trying to help Scottish businesses, both when they think about Ireland as a, as a country and really helping get that clarity around just as somebody that's lived in Ireland for 17, 18 years and has lots and lots of clients in that country. And also then helping them think about analytics and how you transform your businesses and shift your businesses accordingly. It's good to talk. It's good to network. So I think what I've found as well is through a lot of my Global Scott conversations, I've found out some really interesting things about businesses. And for a number of them, I've actually been able to connect them into my clients as well. As we think about potentially joint opportunities like Scotland, Ireland's a relatively small market. So if I can bring interesting things to my clients, even if it doesn't benefit me directly, it's good for the wider relationship and good for things going on. So delighted to be a Global Scott and hope I can be able to continue it for some time. As a Global Scot, I was also very proud to be asked by the team in Ireland to host Minister McKee, the Minister for Business, Trade, Tourism and Environment, to host a delegation of Scottish businesses when they came to Ireland. It was a very exciting visit and hopefully we were able to, to provide some value to them. What we were keen to give them was a perspective of like global tech firms. And I think this is, look, let's face it, all successful global tech firms are doing this, but how are they heavily investing? in actually digital and data and analytics to help transform their services. It was very keen to give them that perspective and that, that viewpoint. I think what we also did then was we set up a smaller number of kind of round tables with industry experts, you know, be it in financial services and be it in wherever, so that there could be some sort of speed dating approach that they could talk to some of the more senior people or relationship people in the Irish market to help it get down to brass tacks. If a client's hoping to target an organisation in Ireland, there's a decent chance that we've worked with them. And so it's always good to sit down and try and get a better understanding of, yeah, you're targeting the wrong person or actually I wouldn't talk to them that way. I would read their strategy and do it this way because this is their priority or just have that practical conversation with them. So it was a really excellent day. Hopefully the Scottish companies found it useful as well. And yeah, happy to continue to help us as useful. I think it's fascinating as we start to try and look forward what happens next, that we've had a, a transformational digital experience over the last 10 years. Um, and you can absolutely see that that massive shift towards digital technologies into, you know, having a much more connected world. COVID has actually accelerated a lot of those elements. But the reality is, I think we're going to come out of COVID and you're just going to see an acceleration of what we've had over the last number of years. A phrase that I love to hear is, you'll never see the rate of change be as slow as it is today. And that's worth just reflecting on for yourself as a business. For some of you, it's a massive opportunity. You know, and you see it regularly of the acquisitions that are going on or the hyper growth of certain companies that have positioned themselves wonderfully. And, you know, there's massive opportunities to be successful. I think at the same time, and again, I'm in a management consulting business, historically, our limitation for growth has been how many clever people can we find, to be blunt. That world is gone now or is going. And I think for all businesses, if the constraint has been people in the past, how much are we going to see that shift to become 
your ability to magnify your secret sauce over a platform and customize it for a you know the, the actual individuals be it b2b or b2c and i think that's the place of where we are either you remain a traditional business and to be blunt you lose by a thousand cuts you'll see your growth rate just not be as good as your competitors growth rate you'll see your ability to acquire new customers and services just not be as quite as good as it should be and you'll ultimately lose or the reverse of companies that just look at this opportunity to totally reinvent what they do and how they do it and really think about that how do i magnify my secret sauce and then actually customize it for those individuals so i think it's a pivotal point and i think what we're going to see coming out of covid I think the reality is you're going to see an absolute acceleration of that digital shift coming out the traps as things start to open up and transform and we start to talk less about COVID and the organisations that are clear around how they're going to take full advantage of that are the ones that are going to accelerate to huge success. So I think it's important to acknowledge I'm a data geek. So that, that that's going to be the core uh, and even... I speak to you just as the transfer window and soccer has closed and I, my, my entire focus on that is is based on data and analytics to see whether particular acquisitions have been appropriate versus the other statistics that are out there. So clearly I'm going to be biased when I try and give you advice and your wonderful business and what you should do next. My take on it is quite simple. Think about the data that you have. Think about how you can use that to learn on every single transaction you have internally or with your customers to improve internally and to get deeper and closer and more customized to have a personal experience for those companies. Because if you're not doing that, I'm probably helping one of your competition to do that. And I think that's the thing that I'd really encourage you to think about. So many of the businesses that listen to this will have a unique perspective on their customers and a wonderful data set that they're probably not fully using and just getting that mindset of how are we able to grab that data and shift totally the type of services and products that we provide. And I think if you're able to do that, you'll see the benefits and you'll actually find yourself having different conversations with your clients in a much, much richer level of context as well. It's an exciting time. I think it's worth being clear there's also going to be a heck of a lot of winners and losers coming out of this play. And again, data geeks biases, trust in God, all else bring data. So that's the, that would be my, the one takeaway from yourself is take the time and have that reflection about how you can fundamentally shift your services based on that information. And you'll have an exciting future, I'm sure. We hope you've enjoyed this episode in our Global Scott podcast series. If you'd like to find out more about the Global Scott Network, you can visit us at www.globalscott.com.